You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the founder of Telio, a care and formation ministry for pastors. My name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Ridgeline Church and also the president of MyXP, a ministry where we provide remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. So we're in a series talking about pastors and friendship Yep. and how complicated that can be. But, yep. but that it's worth it, worth pushing through the complication, mm. right? So we started last week. So uh, so last week, we we're kind of building a case for what friendship is, okay. why it's worth. Pa- not okay. You were there. Remember? You were you were the second <laughs> yeah. half of uh. the conversation. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. It's All been right. a long week. So now what we're doing is we're going to talk about, some, each week, we'll talk about a different aspect that, did you just yawn? <laughs> what is could you be less involved in this conversation? Uh, you forgot you were a part of last week, so you're bored out of your mind this week, and we just got started. So we're going to talk about a different aspect uh, or complication every single week. So this okay. week we're going to talk about, we're going to kick off, we're going to put some some responsibility on pastors that sometimes pastors can be weird with sure. people, right? You and I can be weird sometimes, mm. but we know pastors that can be like... That's 50% true. For let's just sure. say hella weird. Okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like next level weird. All the way. Okay. So I thought on that, on that before we jump into that, okay. what is... Uh-oh. Yeah. What is the, the social environment oh, okay. that makes you feel the most awkward? Small groups. 100%. Yeah. For you, small group. Church small groups. 100%. <laughs> Not just small groups of people. No, being in a church small group. Yep, that makes you feel. What do you? Oh, what do you think makes you? Is there anything in particular in it that makes you feel uncomfortable? I mean, in general, the number of people that make the ideal small group is my like kryptonite mm-hmm. because it's not small enough. I love like going out to dinner with like one person or a couple or groups something of two like or three that. Or yeah, something exactly. Like that. Because to me, you can have actual meaningful conversation with right. those people and engage. Uh, and so that group is far too large for that um, because there's always like a next activity or a, now we're going to eat. Now we're going. Mm-hmm. And so you get interrupted and that kind of thing. So it's far too small for that or uh, far too big for that, but yeah. far too small to hide yeah. as well. So you basically end up having most of the time be focused on sort of that like um, small talk conversation, yeah. which... Uh, anyone listening who knows the answer to this, I believe I have like, it should be not diagnosed morbid fear of small talk. Mm. So is that a thing? Maybe. I wonder. I don't know. Maybe Zach would know. Maybe Zach. Well, Zach, know. I believe will listen. I think Zach is the so. one person who listens to this podcast. <laughs> so he will probably text us and let us know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should just turn it into a phone call that we have once a week. <laughs> Have you thought about be, that? It might be a lot yeah. less work. But regardless, I do, I just, I can't handle it. I yeah. mean, it. if you ever are around me or talking to me or anything, and I bring up either the movies you have seen or the weather, know that I am dying. Yeah. I'm, like, like what, I, what I'm looking for is just you can excuse me from the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> you can leave Because that's the other thing. I also don't know really how to end those. Like, yeah. it's real awkward because I just sometimes want to look at people and be like, well, I've said everything I can say to you. I'm going to walk away now. 
Because I don't, I just don't understand the like social protocol for. I, sometimes I like bow a little bit, or like I've you know, seen like, all of this happen. Oh, I know it's a real joy to behold. Yeah. So that that group is just really, really, just, and it could be filled with people that I like know and love, totally. and it just makes me uncomfortable. I don't, I don't really have an environment, a specific environment. I used to have a very bad habit of. Uh, putting my foot in my mouth, like mm. I think in in like a in a desire to maybe be funny, or maybe sure. it was like I was feeling a little socially anxious, so I would exert. Yeah, but one in particular was <clears throat> you. I don't know if you remember this, but there was this couple in our church. This was almost twenty years ago, um, mm-hmm. and uh, well, it was a young married couple. They're getting ready to have their first or their second baby. Okay, and they're from Texas, and. Okay. And I said, what are you guys thinking about naming the baby? And the wife told me, and I had a good relationship, like sure. sarcastic, we sure, could joke sure. around or whatever. And she said the name. I don't remember what it was. It was something, it, I mean, it was admittedly like unique, like Brazos or some real strange, wow. not normal. And I my, <laughs> pulled that one right out of your head. <laughs> that, huh? was, that was almost my response in the moment. I said, oh my, where did you come up with that weird name? And she did not miss a beat looked me dead in my eyes and said, that is the river my father was murdered by. I, I vividly heard remember that? that. I was there. I have never wanted to die so badly in my whole life. Mm. It was humiliating. That's a lot. So that felt awkward. Outside, but I don't, I don't do that as much anymore. I feel like I'm more self-aware. And or I care less. I feel like you have to start answering your own questions. That wasn't really an answer. <laughs> you said, what size group? Not tell me a story about the dumb me, thing you did. Tell me a story. Well, I wasn't sure if you'd know what to choose from. If I was like, tell me a specific instance in which oh, you have been awkward. So many. <laughs> You're right. That was a better way to word it for okay, me. Good. But I appreciate you were able to narrow it down to just one. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, All right. Anyway. So one problem with pastors and friendship is... Yeah. Pastors can, and, and we're, like, I think there's a myriad of reasons why, um, but we're going to look at some specific ways in which we uh, can structure our lives, that we can function in relationship with people as pastors that make it, like, and we're the one being weird. Yeah, totally. We own the, we own the weirdness. Yeah. And so yeah. in, in addition to that, we'll try to provide a solution to each one of these as well. And again, sure. our goal coming out of each of these conversations is not to like, you know, box it up, put a bow on it. Now this isn't a problem anymore. Yeah, we're just trying to find. Inclusive. No, we're just trying You're to find some. You're not in Mexico. No, Ted Cruz was this week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, while his state Ooh. was like. What a fun and freezing. relevant little pithy <laughs> comment I had there and I didn't even know it. Yeah, that's because you oh. never have any idea what's happening in the no. news. <laughs> Oh, geez. Well, <laughs> some of us have jobs. So. This is mine. Yep. Yeah, that's fair. coming up with this. Cool. All right. So some ways that pastors can be, um, can be awkward, yep. can be weird, can make relationship weird. We got a handful of things that, that we'll talk about. I, I think one obvious one, or it should be obvious, is that, you know, there's a lot of talk about like the problem of pastors being on pedestals. Yeah. But I think one problem is when pastors either intentionally or unintentionally put themselves on a pedestal. Sure. Right? And so I think um, there's a a bunch of ways in which this can happen. I I don't really think I know too many pastors that's like, you remember that commercial when we were a kid? 
that was like a drug commercial, mm-hmm. and it this was like your brand, this is your brand on drugs. Yeah, but it was, there was the other one that was like, you know, everybody says they always want to be like an athlete or whatever when they grow up. No one ever says they want to be a druggie when they grow right, up. Right. And then it was like some guy being like tackled by the police. They were just yeah. always the most extreme commercials. Yeah, because he but, had a joint in his book. But I was terrified mm-hmm. of drugs. Oh yeah, so scared of drugs. Me too. So. <laughs> They worked. Yep. So I, I would say in the same the way. The more you know. That's how they all ended. Did that? Yep. I don't. I don't remember the jingle. I just remember yeah. the words. I think that's oh. the way your brain processed that Those jingle. Words. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That could be. Anyway. I think similarly though. I don't know too many pastors that set out to put themselves on a pedestal over their people. Sure. Right. Oh so uh, yeah. Yeah. I would uh, say it's in, not it's, none. But, yeah, not none, but I don't think yeah. as I think that it is very easy for it to happen. Absolutely. Next week I mean, we'll talk about like the the opposite of this, which is ways that people can be weird with pastors yeah. that make it difficult. And so certainly people can put their pastor on a pedestal, but sometimes totally. pastors like it's structural in the way that our leadership cultures are set up or the way that we function that we put ourselves on a pedestal and that makes things sure. very weird. Well, and it's also like literal in some cases. I mean, that stage that you you had in North Carolina, you were a good 15 feet higher than the whole rest of us. Fifteen's a bit much, well, but yeah, I was but much. Still, yeah, I definitely just... literally looked down at the room. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And so I think I think even some of those types of things, you just like, you like spend the whole time interacting with people on Sunday mornings higher than that. And, yeah. and most just staging, may, I, and I'm not throwing stones at the like, layout like that's just the way those types of rooms are laid out but there are some real natural reasons why it happens yeah yeah there are and so I, th- I think an important I was talking to one of our worship leaders this week I think one thing that is so important for us as ministry leaders to keep in mind and I think to find ways to regularly convey to our people as yeah. well is that we sh- we are just we are just another Jesus follower in the church absolutely and we're no different. What no. The only thing that makes us distinct is the unique gift sure. that we have. It's not like, it's not our nature. We're, we're not better Jesus followers. We're not sure. better Christians. We're just sure. followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, like everyone else with yep. a distinct gift, typically in areas of like preaching or teaching or administration, whatever it is that makes you vocational yeah. in it. Yeah. But but I think the the moment that you lose sight of and that, that, that you are just another Jesus follower, mm-hmm. you're like, your pedestal's being built. Yeah. And so the solution would be to find as many ways as you can, like telling people that, like telling yourself that, to knock over the pedestal. Absolutely, To do yeah. everything you can to try to uh, not create that. And right. I think so one thing that we've been, so we've had, you know, we've, we've planted two churches. Yep. They're very similar in some ways Mm -hmm. and very different in other ways. Mm -hmm. And one would be um, at Redemption about, I don't remember what it was, probably two, three years in, we we took some very intentional steps to try to create a more uh, uh, specific culture of honor in our church. Okay. Remember that? And then we have not taken those steps here. Right. (laughs) And so just as a, by way of like, protocols at, uh, at redemption, we were very intentional about always using the pastor title. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So we didn't refer to one another publicly like people, you, we went through a super weird season in our relationship mm-hmm. where you called me pastor, even in private. It was like a year. It was a long season. Yeah. It was like COVID long. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <laughs> COVID long was that season. Yes. <laughs> and, 
And, uh, and I think some of the, we, we don't have to get into all the intent behind like why we took those steps. Yeah. Some of it was good. Yeah. Some of it I think was immaturity, totally. um, all of that. But here we've just worked very hard to be as, I don't know how else to say it other than just like as normal as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's part of the way that you, uh, knock over the pedestal. I mean, I think that I believe just based on our experience, um, our people in our church respect us deeply and view us as like regular. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah. I could be wrong. If yeah. you're listening and you think I'm wrong, let me know. But, uh, I, I genuinely think that there's just not that, um, other than approach, which I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think there's all kinds of weird ways in which you can try to create separation and distance with people Mm -hmm. that, again, intentional or unintentional, does elevate you over them in a unique way. Totally. And I just think it's a misnomer that spiritual leadership requires you to be in a position over people. Yeah. In a way that you have to accentuate that, that they have to accentuate that. And so we want to work really, really hard for the purpose of being in healthy relationship to knock over that pedestal. Absolutely. I think another way uh, is that pastors can oftentimes over convey external righteousness. I know you, you, uh, oh, man, you do not like this. I just, so talk about what, like, so, yeah. so over conveying external righteousness, what, what would be an example or two of, of like when we use that phrase, yeah. what comes to mind when you hear I, that? I might have uh, shared this on an episode already, but I, I literally had this person that I knew that I would like talk to and, and say, Hey, so how was your day? And their response was, well, the devil tried to get me down, but the Holy Spirit got me through, which that's not an answer to the question. I mean, I guess based on spiritual warfare against Christians at all times, that's always true. (laughs) And the fact that the Holy Spirit is our comforter and guide and all of that, that's always true too. I didn't just ask you to recite true things. But that's not the way people talk. No. And and I think... um, uh, just like full disclosure, it's a moment of vulnerability. I never buy it. Yeah. I like, I wonder if there you have are a high, high level of like skeptic. When someone does that, it always feels to you like you're full of crap. Right. Just like, like if, if you're at home with your children mm-hmm. and they do something you've asked them not to over and over again, it, unless you like Bible verse them and, you know, and like, you know, I, like it just, I feel like there's going to be a moment where you're real and it's not that. And I don't mean to say, um, there's going to be a moment where you're fleshly because mm-hmm. I do think that's why I say external righteousness, yeah. because I think it's this idea that if I project that I'm constant, my mind is constantly on the things of the Lord is constantly, but yeah. So it just is, it's really challenging for me. And I think that there is probably nothing on our list that does a greater job of building, at least for me, this like total force field between me and someone else than when like, that's the only thing they're willing to project because mm-hmm. I just, I just, I, I, I highly doubt it. And mm-hmm. I could be wrong and I might meet someone or know people who are genuine to their core. That's who they are 100% of the time. But I just feel like, can't you just talk regular? Yeah. Because by, by and large, there there is like... I mean, there's like that old, like cliche term Christianese. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of what you're talking about. It's, yes. it's not, it's not that like, I mean, there's not days. I don't think there's probably a day in which you and I are here at the ministry center and have conversation throughout the day. And the things of God are not a, a, ever a part of our conversation no. or that we never have quote oh, we unquote just talk spirit. regular. We talk, yes, exactly. <laughs> and, 
And uh, because it is, it, like, I think some of it's like an over-spiritualization sure. of everything. Why, why did you just recite lines from a William Shakespeare play? Yeah. Like, it just, I, I don't understand. And I do think that it it, it is a bit, and, and the reality, uh, again, not throwing stones at people who really this is genuine to, but it feels a bit like when Jesus talks about the Pharisees and how they, like, draw attention to themselves and attention to their prayers and attention, mm-hmm. like... It's it, too be seen as righteous exactly and, right. and it just feels that like i mean just i like sometimes i'm like like throw up in my mouth a little bit yeah. and need to walk away from the person because yeah. it just um and again that doesn't like the opposite of this is not crass is not fleshly sure. is not sinful and i think that's the that's the uh idea that it creates and for your people that you're trying to build a genuine relationship with what it communicates to them is like I don't know that I could ever be like that. Mm -hmm. And so therefore we probably can't, (laughs) you can't see me outside of like, you know, 10 to 1130 on Sundays because I'm not like that. And so therefore it's way too intimidating. I I think there's probably a a spiritual implication in it for people as well in that it, it further does what we were talking about in the first point, which is create this like pedestal in which people look at you and they think like that is the standard for what a faithful, mature follower of Jesus is. I don't talk like that all the time. I don't think like that all the time. Therefore, I must not be a very good disciple of Jesus. So it also has the ability, I think, to create this like shame cycle in people's, spiritually, in people's hearts and minds, where it makes them feel like they are subpar Christians because they don't talk in the same fake weird way you do. Sure. And like, I'm not just throwing stones at someone else. I will tell you, I find nothing more embarrassing than looking back at my um, Facebook posts about Mm. 10 years ago Mm -hmm. when we were like just newly like either a part of or trying to be a part of the X29 network and all of that. I You were really, really testing, testing the gospel centered stuff, just gospel and everything. I like had a gospel breakfast <laughs> before a gospel run after watching a gospel movie. You were I taking mean, a lot of gospel runs I, back in the day? I'm too, listen, <laughs> I've run or have run. Ugh. If it's not that I'm fat, it's that I'm single. I did not say. So, I didn't say anything about you being fat or uh, single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so no, but I, I, I like I and as I read them today, I know for a fact, I I don't know what I was trying to do in that moment. I can't remember the mind frame mm-hmm. other than like, I did not think about my, my breakfast, like the, like a gospel breakfast. That's <laughs> right. just, that never was a thought in my head. And so right. I clearly was trying to, I think out of insecurity, we were yep. young in our first church plant. We were trying to fit in with the kind of pastors that were around us, all of that. I just think people, I wanted people to know that I loved the gospel, yeah. which I do and did, mm-hmm. but don't need to like lead with my, I mean, sometimes it's like every day it's a new post. I'm just like, yeah. what? I, you know, like I gospel mowed the lawn. Like it just is not the way that it's supposed to work. And so I think really what set me on the other trajectory is just, I remember, uh, you know, we've referenced it. Maybe we'll have an episode or a series on it at some point, but uh, just some of the pain and experience that we had at the church that we were on at, at uh, with in North Carolina. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, that was a very common thing, especially amongst some of the senior leadership of the church mm-hmm. to talk exclusively like that. And it felt such like such a burden constant. I remember coming into your office and I said, I don't know 
if being like that all the time is what it means to be a Christian, but if it is, I don't think I want to be one anymore. Totally. And I think that that's obviously um, a strong reaction to uh, months and months and months of intense mm-hmm. stuff. But I do think that if we're not careful as pastors, we can create that kind of environment for our people. Right. We can create an environment where they feel like I just that's I don't never do that. gonna, that's never going to be me. Right. Like. <clears throat> Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. So yeah. our our solution would just be like, be yourself. A, a, and yeah, a true version yes. of who you actually yeah. are. Like, be comfortable being yourself. I know we talked about a few times. Like, and if you're at a place where you can't, it's really time to reevaluate. Yeah. But regardless, be yourself. Not be flashly. Not be carnal. Yeah. Not be you know like uh, like Lucifer himself. Mm-hmm. Be yourself. Be yeah. who God created you to be. That's good. I think another thing that way in which pastors can be weird with people is that sometimes we can be unnecessarily guarded. And I think the key word in there is unnecessarily, you know, mm-hmm. neither we're both a, a very big proponents of, um, what would be the right way to say it? Um, appropriate disclosure, appropriate disclosure yeah. with people. Like it's not everyone, uh, should hear all of our business. Like when, as a preacher, I want to be uh, appropriately vulnerable, appropriately transparent. And the pulpit is not my personal confessional, right? Where I should get up and lay all my sin in front of everyone constantly for all to see. So we're sure. So, but I wouldn't want anyone to do that. No, no one should do that. No. And so there is uh, a, a, an appropriate way in which we can be guarded, but some mm-hmm. are unnecessarily guarded. Like totally. they are guarded to a degree where no one can truly know them. Right. And they're just kind of always in this self-protection mode. Mm-hmm. And I think that like we were talking yesterday, there's a lot of reasons why pastors can end up in that place. Totally. Like for instance, you know, maybe you had a, a mentor or a model um, displayed for you that was that. Sure. That said, like, this is how it should be. Totally. You should be super guarded. No one should know anything about you outside of, like, yep. you know, no personal don't illustrations. Trust don't trust people in your tr- church. Totally. Yep. All of it. And when you get hammered with that, especially as a young ministry leader, you're like, all right, I guess this right. is what it is. And so you're super guarded, very isolated, and completely alone. Absolutely. And, it's minor- and you had a, if, if that was the model that you were given, it was a bad model. Sure. And make no mistake, especially... If you are maybe a younger pastor, uh, maybe you're planting a, a church, maybe it's a younger church, something like that. Um, I mean, there are countless studies available to the fact that what this generation, especially the generation, uh, you know, a couple younger than us, are just looking for authenticity. Mm-hmm. They are looking for people who are authentic. Like, gone are the days in which, like, the smoke and mirrors and lasers grow your church the biggest. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are really looking for, like, I, I just want people who are real. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you are unnecessarily guarded, it's going to be almost impossible for that to not be sniffed out because mm-hmm. we went through a huge season of time in which everyone was guarded and everyone was fake and all of those types of things. And meanwhile, like, you know, if you check your like blog feed very often, it's like another pastor bites the dust and another pastor. And that's a lot of people who were like, you know, uh, really in the heyday of this season of just like, let's be guarded. Let's have bodyguards around us. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, 
have somebody else manage our social media. So no one gets like, no one gets to meet my wife and kids, no Mm -hmm. one, all of this kind of stuff. And genuinely what people are looking for is like, let's just be real. Mm -hmm. And let's just like, you be honest with me let me be honest with you. And people are looking for that from their products. They're looking for that from their food establishments. And Mm -hmm. certainly not only are they looking for it, but I believe people have a right to get that from their church and their pastors. That's good. I think another reason that we can be really guarded though, is because of past ministry hurts. Mm. Like you might've been in a place where you were really genuinely wronged, uh, sinned against and wounded. Sure. And, um, and so it's, it would be normal when you are attacked to put up your guard. Totally. And I think what happens is if you don't do the work and get the help to process through these past hurts, then you end up in this overreactionary, uh, position where forever, you are then overly guarded and, and you're hurting yourself in the midst of that. And you're allowing those people who hurt you to continue to win in the sense that not only are you maybe not around them anymore, but they've, they're still very much have impacted your ability to connect and relate with people. So it's not just a matter of you're hurting, like you're robbing your church, like you're robbing yourself of being able to have very healthy, genuine relationship. Absolutely. I think there's also a fear of judgment, you know, like Mm -hmm. I can't be, I shouldn't be open about anything personally because people will judge me in the midst of that. Um, I think sometimes, I think in the darkest ways that sometimes there's a protection of one's own hypocrisy that you know that the things that you say publicly are different than the way that you live privately. Or as a result, you guard, like you guard that because you don't want people to see that. Sure. Or um, because we're just regular people, because we're just Christians as well, um, through your years and through your ministry and through your study, something that you felt very convicted about seven years ago, you feel differently about. Mm-hmm. It's time to like get up and like make a correction in that. <clears throat> and, and, and even though so, like most of those people won't be there, to even know like it's 2021, your, inter- your sermons are on the internet, all of that kind of stuff, to also go on record for saying, listen, I used to be really opposed to X, Y, or Z, mm-hmm. or really have this stance, and uh, I just like based on like the Holy Spirit's leading my study, uh, talking with mentors, all of those types of things. I feel this way about Mm -hmm. that now. And, you know, and just to own it, like, Mm -hmm. I think people love knowing we're all growing too. I mean, and you're modeling a really important part of discipleship in the midst of that. Sure. Which is like progressive sanctification, right? Ongoing, like, I, do we really want people to think that there is a point in which you perfectly understand every text? Like that's insanity. Like, we want to always be totally. growing and yeah. learning. And it is inevitable, again, not with like fundamental no. doctrinal things about like who Jesus is, nope. but like a really, like an obvious example I think would be alcohol. Maybe sure. there was a point in your life you took a really strong stance on like you're a teetotaler, no drinking, alcohol is the devil to consume it is sin. And then through study, maturity, maybe you change your mind or yeah. vice versa, whichever yeah, yeah. way it went, sure. whatever. Then get up and teach people through Mm-hmm. You're like, let them see that. Sure. And I think that's really healthy for people to see. Don't, don't drive two counties away to buy a bottle of wine for your like steak dinner that night. Yeah. Just like, I think that's you know, so weird. Yeah. Yeah. The, and that's real common. The like, there's like this radius in which pastors like won't drink. Sure. But they'll go outside that radius sure. 25 miles. Then it's okay. You're like, that is just, I just don't understand that. Right. Right, because make no make no mistake, um, 
if if you're really doing it that way, I think it's I think you're like being deceitful and it's sinful and like your sin will find you out. Yeah. So just like it's not gonna hurt anything for you to be in the middle of a big beer and for like you know like ninety three year old Bertha to walk in with her like kids and grandkids and and, and I don't know ninety three year old Bertha move along can okay. we next point all right oh it's me great yeah but the solution would be then oh, yeah. learn to practice solution. yeah <laughs> learn learn to practice appropriate disclosure yeah absolutely absolutely and I think um and I think you're gonna practice it at various levels with various people but force yourself to do it yeah and just be honest with people around you because that like even if you're not totally um vulnerable or totally disclosed to everyone like we said it's appropriate as you are with different levels and different people like that gets out Mm -hmm. you know like it it just becomes aware that like our pastor's honest Mm -hmm. and and people appreciate that absolutely all right so let's see uh i think another thing is uh a lot of pastors are very Mm -hmm. self-isolated i think it's something they might choose it's something based on their wiring um, I think I know a whole lot of pastors that are introverts mm-hmm. and as a group of people who spend most of their time interacting with people. Um, and I think the best way I think about introverts is as you're with groups of people, does that um, fill your bucket or mm-hmm. drain your bucket? Yeah. Um, and so I'm a deep introvert. I yeah. think that kind of time with people, even if it's one-on-one or things like that, um, it's not like drain your bucket or fill your bucket. It's not about whether or not you enjoy it. It's just like, it's what it requires of you to participate. Right. And I think that um, as a result, uh, for a lot of people, it just might be easier to like, like for me, a lot of times it's easier to go home and watch Netflix. Yeah. You know, I just, I just like it. Yeah. And I think especially if you're like a preaching, teaching pastor and you're introverted and you yeah. like to study, yeah. it's just a lot easier to live in your study. Right. And <clears throat> I think that's one of the reasons that some pastors even have church plants, like small churches, they're not quote unquote teaching pastors specifically, yeah. but why they will spend 20 or 30 hours prepping a message. It's because it's more comfortable to do that than it is to be spending time with people. Totally. And I think that needs to be broken up. So I think the obvious solution to being self-isolated is just get out of your study. Yeah, absolutely. Actually spend time, have lunches with people. Sure. Even if it's just a few times a week. Right. But be intentional about breaking out of that. Sure. And getting into the lives of other people. And just kind of as a word of advice as you do that. So for me, um, I know that I like always vacillate between like either like nothing at all or Mm -hmm. like I'll like book like two things per night for like multiple weeks. Mm -hmm. What I know is like for my sanity, for my mental and emotional health, I am a like two night per week like commitment, you know, whether it be dinner with someone from church, having someone over to my house, something like that. I've got two nights a week Mm -hmm. that that works out for me. Otherwise it is just, uh, two, but, but so then I need to like work on that. And even there are regular times when you will remind me that I need your your night meetings through (laughs) me for sure. Because, uh, because I feel like, well, that person needs me and that person needs me. But by the fourth or fifth one, um, they're not getting the best version of me anyway. If they are looking for some sort of counsel or investment or something like that, if it's not just like hang mm-hmm. time, um, it can it can really wear on you. And so again, you're not we're not ta- like talking about forcing you outside of your comfort zone completely, <clears throat> right? Uh, but to like find your good kind of uh, boundary lines mm-hmm. and stay within those. Yeah. yeah, and then I don't get the best version of you, and you come on the podcast and you're mean. Yeah, yeah, and yawn, and and you <sighs> yawn. That's right. <laughs> 
All right, last one uh, for today that I think can make pastors awkward, uncomfortable, weird uh, mm-hmm. in in friendship is that there. I think that there is a, an alarming number of us that are not emotionally healthy. Yeah, and uh, that sounds like a very uh, direct and potentially derogatory thing to label pastors with. And so I say that as someone who has been on a significant emotional health journey for a year and a half. And, and I think the thing that concerns me is how many, how many pastors are in a position that I was in Mm. where I believed, I'm going to talk about this in my message on Sunday. I, I really believed I was so emotionally healthy Mm. because I equated emotional health with mental resilience. I think I've talked about that before. Yeah. And so because I didn't fall apart and I didn't cry and I didn't feel emotions, Mm -hmm. I thought like, what did you think of me for all of this time? You've asked that before. I mean, I Mm. thought you were probably a big, just pansy mess. Okay. That's cool. (laughs) Good to know. And, and so as I uh, started to press into some of those things, um, I just started to see like, oh, wow, I've got these whole areas, these huge blind spots mm. in my life that I just was not healthy. And so I think that's the thing that concerns me the most is how many pastors might actually believe they are emotionally healthy sure. and they are in fact not. Sure. And then are also probably guilty and this is a great, the fact that you brought you up is a great example because then I think you become the standard of comparison. And so you look at everybody else and you think, because I'm not like that person and that person might be a much more emotionally healthy person than you are, but your, your whole definition and standard is wrong. Right. And so I think it's very, very important from an elu- a solution standpoint that more pastors make emotional health a priority. Totally. I've been super open about the fact that I've been in therapy for the last year and a half. I go every single week. I am a huge proponent of that for everyone. I think everyone yeah. would benefit from that. Totally. I also know that some people aren't ready sure. for that. Sure. And I do think people need to be ready for it Yeah. or <clears throat> it won't be a value. I think there are probably some people in circumstances like I have been in the past where where they were in a culture and environment where it wasn't safe for them to be able to go and totally. to get therapy. And so I what mean, I we know, we know we could name names of people who um, can't do that. Yeah. Cause yeah. they, I mean, they would be fired for yeah, going to for see sure. a therapist. And so <clears throat> while you may not be able to do that, I still think that there are so many tremendous resources for you to begin to grow in your awareness yeah. and understanding of emotional health. And totally. I think the place that I'd recommend starting that was in many ways the starting point for me was everything that Pete Scazzaro has written. So okay. he, he wrote Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Sure. Emotionally Healthy Leadership uh, is the one that is specific, obvious to leaders. Yeah. And there's a great assessment in it. And it sure. was that assessment that opened my eyes to these big blind spots that I had. And so I'd recommend if you're like, even if you're like, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I think I'm emotionally healthy, but I don't really know. And this isn't really an area I've studied or pressed in at all. Yeah. I would get that book and I would just read it and allow it to begin to either confirm, no, you're hundred percent. You're on the right track for sure. Or it will reveal, no, I've got some major blind spots that I'm just not aware of. Yep. But I do think, you know, emotional health has so like has so many far reaching implications in our relationships and like yeah. how we communicate, whether or not we can be vulnerable, whether or not we can 
acknowledge, own, apologize when we're wrong. Like it just impacts all of that stuff. Yep. And so I think if there's one area that I'm, that personally I'm most concerned about for pastors, I think it's this one that Mm. if, if you, if you press into this one, I think the rest of them by and large take care of themselves Mm. because, because most of them are an outworking of this one. Sure. All right. So I feel like that was pretty good. Yeah. Covered a lot of ground. Anything else you'd add? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I think um, I think it's yeah, I think so. Good. All right. Yeah. I like how this is closing. <laughs> it's strong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, as always, we want you to know that it's a huge honor to us that you take time to listen. And uh, as always, if you've enjoyed this, you can help us in three ways. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, rather than just randomly stumble upon episodes, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. You can also leave a review wherever you listen. That's super helpful in increasing the visibility uh, of podcasts on these various platforms. Platforms. And more than anything, we'd love to be able to connect with and hear from you on social media. So you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at, at Ryan Hughley. That's H U G U L E Y. And you can find me on the same platforms at, at Tyler Dravitz. That's D R E W I T Z. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. See you later, alligator. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>